Welcome to the Meltzone Podcast. This is episode 54. I'm Tom. And I'm Stefan. <laughs> And I need to get the uh, microphone to the proper location. Uh, on this episode, we are talking about Christmas, of course, because it's Christmas time. Um, besides Christmas and gift talk and uh, things uh, connected to that, um, alternative open source CAD software. Um, we all know, or many of you know FreeCAD, but there are also other solutions around. Um, SolidWorks has a maker license for 99 bucks. Uh, we quickly discuss if it's if it's worth that money and what other options there are as well if you want to get more into like the professional market i talk a bit about my experience being an online vendor now and uh selling things like yeah pcbs um and our threaded inserts what i have learned over the last i don't know couple of weeks and 100 purchases what do you need to do and what you should avoid um and then one thing that you definitely should not do is uh spraying on 3d printing resins with an airbrush gun onto 3d prints because that's dangerous and uh yeah stay away from that uh more details in the podcast What you should definitely do, though, is look for manufacturers selling you filament on cardboard spools, such as printed solid. We have now moved on to replacing the plastic spools with uh, recyclable or, well, more recyclable and more eco-friendly uh, cardboard ones. I really appreciate that. Um, printed solid are also one of the contributors to um, the fund or the fundraiser in the name of or in the honor of Uh, Sanjay Mortimer, who has unfortunately passed away. Um, we talk about that briefly, uh, how, how that's impacting us, uh, and how it is still good to see the 3D printing community come together, um, over that and, and contribute to a good cause. Um, what would also be a good cause is a, an open source rolling screw extruder, which, however, has been shut down, uh, by patents from FuseLab. We discussed that and uh, whether there is some prior art on the on the rolling screw extruder that the patent should have taken into account. Um, quick sidetrack about the E3D Revo and how that has been patented, and then we get on to to answering questions about the review uh, about the Revo, uh, whether that can be installed in a Mark III S, um, then about whether a Conversion from a Prusa Mark 2.5 into a CNC mill would be a good option. And finally, whether preheating filament before you feed it into a hot end would increase the hot end's material throughput. Tom, have you, have you been a, a good boy and got something nice for Christmas? <laughs> Or at least got yourself something nice for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah I, i did get myself something nice for christmas i got myself uh what what are they called it like a kitchen mixer swirly thing a tomo mix no 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 not just a, a <laughs> ein handmixer ein handkneetalken <laughs> ah yeah <laughs> <laughs> the thing you use to whip cream and it has the yeah. kneading hooks on it and, and <laughs> that that was that was my christmas present uh for okay. me this year and my dad got me a couple of hawaii shirts appreciate that Uh, what else did I get? Yeah, so so thankfully with most of my friends, we we did manage to get to the point where we're like, 
hey, we're not going to gift each other anything. We're not going to expect anything in return. And we're just going to chill for Christmas, okay? And okay. that has worked absolutely perfectly this year. Oh, sorry about the, the Zoom. Um, I, I, I would really like to get at that point at some point in the future. <laughs> yeah, I, it, it, is, it is really relaxing. Well, what, what did you get for Christmas? Did you get a Lego set? Uh, well, my daughter got a Lego set or a Duplo set. Um, so for me, it's, it, it, it wasn't a Lego set, but yeah, my wife, uh, gifted me from fellow YouTuber and, and lawyer, uh, the covert uh, companion from the lockpicking lawyer. Nice. It's really nice. It turns out it doesn't make you a better lockpicker. <laughs> Who would have thought? <laughs> Uh, but so, it's, it's, it's nice then, to use to use decent and 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 it's nice to use good tools. Just yeah, yeah. I still need to get used to using these, and I still need to get. I, I again need to get the feeling for lock picking because I haven't been doing it for like two months or something like that. Just I didn't take the time. But it's really nice and compact set. Horribly expensive, but uh, yeah, I'm happy that my that my wife. Um, get it or got it for me. What's the what's the legal status in Germany? Can you travel with those, or is that is that going to be like a, a point of interest when when they like pull you over and it's like, hey, ID and license, please, and and you have a, a lock picking set falling out of your glove box? So, um, I guess traveling in in a car and something like that shouldn't be a problem. But speaking of it. I think I should not carry something like that in my um, carry-on luggage when I'm traveling on an airplane because yeah. that they they might actually say, okay, that's that's a knife. You can't take that on an airplane. Ooh, because of that? Mm, nah, I don't think so. I don't think it's it would be a, a problem. But it's just I, a set of toothpicks. <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, I know some countries that are pretty strict about owning uh, anything that resembles a lockpick. Okay. Um, so yeah, that's 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 what I'm asking. Not aware of that. Um, not sure how I'm go gonna use it and if I'm gonna carry it around every day because I think it just I'm 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 not as good as a lockpicker that I would need it, and if I would need it, I would be so bad that it would just embarrass myself <laughs> yeah uh i mean i've I've played around with with lock picking uh once a bit but i i got to the point where where i took a just a, a simple skyline rake or whatever they're called uh mm. jammed it in, in the lock on my front door and it was like Poop, it's open <laughs> that 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 was enough lock picking experience for me i was just like okay i'm getting i'm getting rid of that lock <laughs> immediately <laughs> getting something proper um yeah, and I think I think if if you if you know how to like slightly tension a, a core and and kind of wiggle around there, you're gonna be able to open up like ninety percent of the locks you want to get into that you have permission to get into, and of course, of course. do legally, and we, we'd we'd never break into property by picking locks, never. So for for me, it was a really nice like just project when I was on holiday to to do something and to learn something new but it's also almost a bit meditative because you really need to concentrate you really need to 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 feel the pins in the lock so it it was nice to just get started with it but I realized I have a bunch of 
just like normal padlocks and these padlocks are sometimes really hard to open even after like two or three weeks of of trying it out to, to pick open okay not to, to open, pick open. Regularly. Okay. yeah um so in in my opinion lock picking is way harder than one might think after watching guys like the lock picking True. yeah or yeah. i'm just not really good at that sport in the end it still was was fun just learning it a bit and it might be a nice party trick in like 10 years in the future when covid is not that bad anymore and you can have parties again yeah next decade maybe yeah. <laughs> we'll see so yeah that that's what i got and my brother also got me some or got us something really nice um which i wanted to have for ages it's called green box it's something from a berlin startup company of course berlin startup um it's a herb growing set which might sound suspicious hey they're, they're making they're it. making more herbs legal in germany at some point yeah, so <laughs> <laughs> uh it's it's not really meant for for these kind of herbs um it's basically a smart LED lamp with a couple of small pots underneath. Right. Uh, in which you can just put seeds of different herbs and spices that you can use in the kitchen. Right. Which is really nice. It looks nice. It's, 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 uh, just like, it's just, uh, CNC milled, uh, plywood and, and then laser cut. So it. Any, any smart features with it? Uh, it like has a water level sensor. Oh. That's what you need. Perfect. <laughs> and it has Bluetooth, and it has Bluetooth and an app. Um, we just seeded the first stuff yesterday, just like basil and parsley and coriander and things like that. And I'm really looking forward to how it turns out. To, well, since we cook a lot, um, having dude, like your channel is called CNC Kitchen. I mean, it goes with the theme, right? Yeah. <laughs> To be totally yeah. honest, I wanted to build something like that for quite a while. Uh, just never got around that. Um, I am not that much around on, on Instagram where those kind of products are yeah. regularly advertised. I don't see any YouTube ads. So, uh, I haven't been aware of that company, but since obviously my brother and I guess my wife are, uh, more around in uh, that medium, uh, they got that advertisement, and yeah, my brother bought it for us. <laughs> yeah, nice. if if it's something that's that's useful, if you like it, nice. Yeah, uh, we'll see. Yeah, I I feel like we're both kind of exhausted from from the entire Christmas thing, but honestly, for for me, it's been it's been okay this year. Um, not yeah. that much relatives, uh, coming over, um, obviously, um, it's just been a bit more relaxing than, than the years before that, which is, which is yeah. nice. Still too much food on my side, to be honest, uh, Christmas Eve. So like for, for our American viewers, uh, a German Christmas is on the 24th. We have our Christmas Eve. That's when we do like eating and celebration, um, the twenty fifth is usually though. so. Okay. So well, at least in southern Germany. So just just how I grow grew up. 
Right. Yeah. So, I mean, for, for us, it's typically like the 24th, you, you get together with like local family. Um, for us, it's, it's uh, my mm-hmm. grandparents who live around the corner and you just have a simple dinner. I mean, the, the classic one is, is potato salad and, and sausages. Yeah. Um, and that's what, what we do too, right? Um, so okay. it's not like the big turkey dinner or something or that, that, that you make. Um, it is just simple low effort you get together and you hang out and then on the 24th at the, in, in the evening you open a presents yeah right so still ate too much um got outside today a bit for some walking and uh <laughs> oxygenating myself so i'm getting back on track yeah a bit of a bit of a break i, I, I had the um, what's it called? Fuzzout, uh, for, for December to, to make less videos and to maybe do like a, uh, three week interval between some. So I get like one week of a break, actually. Um, well, it turns out there's been a lot going on in December and now I've probably made more videos, um, <laughs> than, than all the other months before that. So <laughs> there goes that plan. <laughs> That's the problem with being self-employed. And to be honest, with like having the 24th on a Friday and then the usual bank holidays, which is the first and the second day after Christmas, falling on a Saturday and a Sunday, you don't have a really long weekend where you could say, well, that you're, you're not going to work. For, for you, it, and Weekends also for don't me, matter. it doesn't really what, what day matter. Is it it's Sunday. Okay. Yeah, it's Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know the days that are holidays, but I don't, I usually don't know which day of the week it is. Yeah. Um, yeah. You, you, you're probably just noticing that when you, uh, want to get to the, to the supermarket and notice that everything is closed. That's, that's when I have to look up which day it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, no shopping on Sunday here in Germany. Nope. Nope. Yeah. People go crazy when there's like two days where everything is closed. Um, like on the 25th yeah. and the 26th, everything is literally everything is closed. So 24th typically is a mad shopping and, and, and grocery shopping, uh, rush for, uh, for most people. Yeah. Yeah. Now we have to survive two days. <sighs> <laughs> it was basically just like, like a normal weekend, but yeah, tomorrow it's still probably going to be to, to, to be crazy because people notice that they haven't bought enough food for the weekend and are thinking that they they're almost starving we'll see yeah. i also to be honest need to do some shopping because the fridge is not that full anymore there you go yeah i go good old, good old Germans. yeah that's it christmas already over again we yeah by, by the time you're listening to this definitely you're probably looking <laughs> looking to have uh, a a happy new year at this point. Yeah, without any firecrackers here in Germany, uh, right? Is y- it you are happy? Is it uh, for for the entirety of of Germany that they've banned them? Yes. Well, Again, well, for is this it? Year. But then then the question is like, hey, can I buy some in Poland and fire them off here? Is that legal or is it literally just selling them? I think it's just selling them, right? I think it's. Just selling them is, is not allowed again this year. Just like, like, like last, just like last year. Um, they they always, they always leave enough loopholes, just enough loopholes, um, for people to still do the stuff that they want to (sighs) do. Well, 
I, for myself, I have in the past always enjoyed playing around with fireworks and I'm still happy that I all have, have still have all my fingers, but I can totally understand your point with having dogs at home. Yeah, and that's, that's I can thing. also understand that it's basically pointless. I don't know. I, it's pretty light, right? It's, it's yeah. pretty stuff to look at. Um, yeah. but yeah, for the, with, with having two dogs, uh, well, the, the the little scaredy cat of uh, of course is deaf um so she doesn't care much about it but our big one also doesn't quite like it so yeah. i'm 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 happy about that um i'm going to put on a video of, of fireworks if i want to see some um but yeah that's no yeah. no fireworks this year in germany and to yeah. keep uh, er's clear basically yes and i think to just yeah of course keep er's clear because well, usually the ones that need to go to the ER, they have those imported uh, uh, fireworks from Poland or something right. like that. So it's and probably not going to do That's not permitted. Uh, but I think it just helps keep the gathering small, especially in big cities. If you don't have any fireworks, uh, at least a I bit. So, so, so here's the thing. If you have fireworks, at least you're outside, typically, if you're yeah. smart. Um, <laughs> so, so is it just going to be people staying indoors longer this year? I, I don't, I don't think that's the goal. Yeah, but that smaller group gatherings. Um, well, I'm also not living in a big city, but uh, like 10, 15 years ago when we had our Christmas parties, we, we sometimes went to the, um, town center where like, a lot of people were gathering and just shooting rockets out of their hand and having a great time and almost like a war situation. Uh, <laughs> at least that, that's that how it fell from time to time. So these gatherings might not be happening this year, but there might be more yeah. smaller gatherings. We'll, I don't know. We'll it's, see. It's not that bad for me having a family and since we don't, since we won't uh, anyways have a new year celebration here we might even go to bed before before new year uh, lo look <laughs> at you adulting hard yeah uh, <laughs> just just, just want to get to bed just want to sleep yeah uh. we really had to force ourselves last year to to stay awake that long because we usually go to bed at like 10 or 11 p.m and we just said yeah okay let's 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 stay awake until uh new year's and then we watched some of the fireworks out of the window but then it was like yeah understandable with a small child definitely yeah <laughs> and she was yeah. she was uh falling asleep at eight o'clock in her in her chair obviously so it wasn't that bad yeah all right all right should we now cut some topics we have, Let's do that. We have the first one that you put in here. An alternative free open source parametric, parametric CAD software. That's that. I think that's the kicker because there's, there's plenty of open source design tools out there. Blender. Yeah. Um, but open source parametric CAD is kind of rare. So you put in SolSpace. Yeah. SolSpace. Um, many know FreeCAD and FreeCAD has been growing to 
not really an alternative to to professional packages but for somebody who who wants to have a real free open source parametric cat software free cat was the way to go in the past and i just like a week ago or two weeks ago one of the github contributors to solve space uh, sent me an email and said eh, i guess we really screwed up with with marketing over the last years um Right, if you at some that. point gets yeah. gets to the topic of uh, free CAD software, uh, maybe also mention that there is SoftSpace around. Yeah, SoftSpace is also free, open source, parametric CAD. I watched a couple of videos on on YouTube comparing it also to to free CAD, and it seems to be it seems to have many of the same features. So if you're not happy with your current CAD package um check out also solve space yeah so where, where would you where would you like rank it in in like feature wise um so i guess less capable or less fully featured um than uh freecat but between like sketchup and one two three d sketch that I, I don't think or, or design that doesn't exist anymore yeah it does it does a bit more than that right so it's, it does a bit more than that i think just because it's all it's parametric you can do fillets you can do chamfers uh you have your design history and things like that but since i didn't try it out i i can't really comment on that um one of also the nice things about that package is that of course you can run it on different platforms i guess mac windows linux well yeah, for, for open source stuff that makes sense be not a problem it, um, it looks like solid modeling is a bit limited, so that they're, they're saying, okay, you can have an extrude, a lathe, which is a revolve, mm. basically, or a helix from Sketch. Mm. So stuff I would be missing is like extrude along a path, um, mm. or uh, what's it called, where you have two shapes and you you, you merge between them. Um, uh, or you, you, you yeah morph between them that's the word, the word i'm trying yeah. to look. um that's so the basically you can just ge generate solid geometry with straight mm. extrudes and yep. revolves and helixes and then of course you get booleans um mm. and patterns and, and that sort of thing mm. um and i'm, then you I'm get, well like, aware mesh that and nerve surfaces but no. hey the the thing is if it does those things well if there's a good interface with it if there's a, an interface that is logical and solid and and usable i would rather have a tool that does those things really well than one that has uh, sorry freakhead um like three different interfaces that all kind of do the same thing but don't all mm. none, none does it really well that's that's like what's confusing to me about uh freakhead is that there's it, it's just not logical there's not like hey mm. this is how we do that there's like three different ways of doing the same thing mm. And they all kind of have their own quirks with them. Mm -hmm. um, I think if you're doing casual modeling, um, both of these might suit your needs. Of course, the learning curve might not be as, as steep as with like more professional packages. And if you're looking for open source or free software, uh, maybe these are the way to go. And due to being open source, if you want to add something that you're missing, either uh scripting or i don't know um you might have the possibility so it's it's it 
would definitely be not an option for me just because I'm too used to professional packages and it would make me so slow for more complex parts. That is not an option for me, but there are many who are looking for something like that. And I'm happy that these products and also alternatives exist. Yeah, and in any case, it is it is a good start. Um, so with with cat packages, I mean, what I've learned is they're all kind of the same. Um, what you really need to learn is the principles of how you design stuff and, and how stuff works together. Uh, just the entire okay sketches and how your stuff in sketches mm -hmm. is defined, how that relates to other stuff. Um, for it to be like parametric, so you can actually change something without everything else breaking. Um, You can learn that in, in any parametric sketch based, mm. um, cat package. You don't have to, and, and once you know that, uh, you can transfer that between any cat solution you want to use. So the yeah. first cat I, I used was Katia, um, yeah. then SolidWorks, um, now Fusion. I used, um, uh, Inventor for a bit. I tried that. And it was like, oh, okay, this, this is where the features are hidden. Okay. They, they're called a bit different, but the, basic idea behind using it is literally mm. all the same yeah. um, same with programming languages um, and uh, image editing like you, you can move between photoshop gimp um, affinity photo whatever paint shop pro and it's it's all the same ideas and mm. those ideas you need to know and then actually using the program yeah. kind of becomes second nature or, or not second nature but irrelevant that's that's what i'm trying to say yeah. Just one question uh, before we get to the next topic, which is also cat-related. Uh, you talked about the similarities between Photoshop and Affinity Photo, and I think you're using actually Affinity, Affinity Photo yeah. for your... Um, the thing I really enjoyed using the last weeks and months in Photoshop is the content-aware filling. So mm -hmm. where you crop something and there isn't something in the crop and Photoshop does such an amazing so job you, filling those expand, areas. Uh, exactly. Yeah. Or just the content aware filling if you want to get, I yeah. don't know, um, pieces out of your If you want to remove uh, like images. a person on the beach. Exactly. Typical one, yeah. That's working so well. How, how's Affinity Photo in that regard? I Have you used it? I don't ever use that. Okay. <laughs> um, I, it has like the, the healing brush and, and those sort of things. Uh, okay. um, but I don't know how well it does that. Okay. Also, the expanding an image i have no idea yeah. um but i will be i will need to use that uh pretty soon um for uh for an image uh, for a friend that just is where, where where your main subject is just slightly off center and you yeah. kind of need to nope other side you kind of need yeah. to add something to that side mm. and it's just like it's just a background pattern and mm. i i want to i want to see if that is possible in in affinity uh or if i have to to pull out photoshop for that yeah no i've been using it quite a lot for making thumbnail images where it just did Photoshop center everything. Oh, the Photoshop. Photoshop. Okay. I haven't used yeah. yeah. And I found it so, so helpful. But before the next one, uh, a quick shout out to our sponsor for this video, JLC PCB. So today they would like to promote their new store they've, that they've just set up. It's, it's a really interesting concept because they sell 
both physical parts, um, either 3D prints, for example, they have a physical 3D scan of Naomi Wu that you can order um, that they're going to print in resin for you. You can order um, PCB rulers that, they, that they're going to make for you, or you can get digital models like uh, 3D models or Gerber files uh, that you can use in your own design. So not just do they sell you models and physical parts that you can buy, um, they also have coupons for PCBs or P blah, PCB assemblies. Um, they have services for uh, P free quotations on your design files. Um, they have the free PCB designs, free 3D designs, and some that have a bit of cost involved because you're gonna get a physical product. JLC PCB is is still doing their main business in selling really reasonable priced uh, PCBs. Um, I had all of my, for example, uh, CDUS adapter boards made there. Um, very affordable, available in different uh, colors, which I really enjoyed at, at that point, and also the ones who uh, purchased it there uh, on my store. And uh, yeah, shipping doesn't take too long. Uh, if you take the normal shipping route, the parts usually arrive within a week. I use the eco shipping method. Uh, parts usually arrived within one and a half weeks or two weeks. Um, super quality and for a price of like two dollars for five PCBs, it's basically unbeatable. Yeah. So check out JLC PCB at the link in the video description. And thanks again for sponsoring this video. Uh, maybe continuing with professional CAD. software and CAD. Um, you put in there that. Yeah. So that, uh, that is a, works. That's a, that's a comment from uh, Friedrich uh, on Twitter. Um, Twitter. YouTube, Twitter, Twitter. Um, saying that uh, SolidWorks now has a license for makers for $99 a year. It includes full SolidWorks and the online CAD X design, which I've never heard of uh, and I've never used. But if it's the full SolidWorks, because I know SolidWorks has also like different packages uh, with mm -hmm. the, I, I still remember the, the student version that they gave out, which had, when I u first used it, it, it didn't even have STL export. Um, it was like so locked down you could export um, drawings that had a watermark and um, well you could save in the SolidWorks format but then whenever you opened that in a in a full SolidWorks feature it would keep that watermark on everything um, <laughs> just so that you know um, engineering bureaus wouldn't give their their interns um, the the student version and then just pull in those files into their, their mm. full licenses um, so yeah that's gonna be interesting to see what license of SOLIDWORKS that is, um, particularly the stuff like simulation. Um, SOLIDWORKS does have simulation built in and there are CAM plugins as well for SOLIDWORKS. Mm. Um, if those work, that might actually be a really good deal. And it is, it's cheaper than Fusion at 99 bucks a year, right? Well, for makers, Fusion is still free, I guess. Um, right, if you, if you want to have to buy the license, yeah. Yeah, right. I think the license is around 400 bucks a year. Uh, 494 euros a year. That includes uh, VAT. So yeah, 400 plus, plus tax. Yeah. I guess it's a nice deal for someone who has already been working with SolidWorks in the past. And I guess Dassault, who is behind SolidWorks, they just had to do something to 
I don't know. Also, please, the maker community and just, I don't know, the people who want to do a bit of CAD in their free time before they just downloaded it and, well, downloaded cracked software and yeah. um, they don't earn anything from that. And I don't know if they're giving something away for a reasonable price and I guess 99 bucks a year. Yeah, of course it's still like seven or eight bucks a month. But if you're regularly using that for your own projects, I think it's a fair price. And if I would be a solid works user from my, from my normal work, I would probably be, be, be paying that. Yeah. Um, so just to clarify what is included, um, I just looked it up on, on the, the Salt um, website. You can, you can buy that as a subscription. It's $99 a year, excluding taxes. It includes 3D sculptor, 3D creator, um, which I don't know what are. It includes SolidWorks professional, which is great because that includes the, the simulation stuff, as far as I'm aware. Um, it includes collaborative industrial industry innovator and collaborative business innovator. So that's probably some systems that they have in place. And the big limitation for the license is it is meant for personal projects and non-commercial use, which means um, you can sell items, but you cannot make a profit over 2000 US dollars a year. Okay. That's what non-professional, um, non non-commercial um, is defined as. The big question, did you find if it also includes CAM? I believe it's if, if it's SolidWorks Professional. It, so I'm not sure how much of the, of the SolidWorks CAM is actually SolidWorks um, or whether that is okay. actually in a third-party plugin more or less that you can add into SolidWorks and use it in the SolidWorks environment. Um, okay. But it should include the same level of cam as the full bot SOLIDWORKS, uh, full professional commercial grade uh, SOLIDWORKS. Okay. If somebody has more information on that, yeah, just please put it down in the comments. It would be, it would be really interesting to know because uh, yeah, if you have a CNC router or a laser cutter or maybe even a CNC lathe, um, having cam capabilities is something that is really beneficial. Yeah. A uh, huge selling point for Fusion, obviously, <laughs> because their cab is really good. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, and there there are like lest we forget there there are other CAD packages that um, offer lots of stuff as well um, for a one time low low entry cost. Um, there are other CAD packages that have subscriptions. SolidWorks isn't the only one, but SolidWorks is the one that mm. kind of popped up now as now also mm. offering that maybe if since we're currently talking about that uh i think siemens nx also yes. offers a student or maker version of solid edge um and i i don't know how about creo from ptc i i guess they might also have have a similar pro program yeah so um, solid solid edge makers. is actually free for makers um, okay. entirely free um, it's just like pay download <laughs> um, and of course it's it's for non-commercial stuff only yeah of course uh, Creo I'm not finding anything oh free software college university students so uh, Creo Creo probably not 
And I think it's a good thing that, that other companies also jump on that bandwagon because Fusion 360, even though it's still kind of available for free for makers, it has been becoming more and more complicated and less and less feature rich over the last years. So since also other alternatives pop up, either people have the uh, possibility to switch over or Autodesk is also saying, okay, we will also in the future really keep at least a bit of CAD capabilities and the things that that makers usually need available for free. And that's helping all of us. It's the question, like, can a package as capable as a full CAD environment, can that be something that, that, that is even possible to be offered for free? Um, or is like a hundred bucks a year subscription, uh, like SolidWorks is doing, is that the better approach? Um, because yeah, you're getting something that is a, an incredibly powerful tool mm. and you're paying a reasonable, I mean, 10 bit, bit less than 10 bucks a month or 10 bucks with tax. I would say that is reasonable. That, that is what I, and what I asked Fusion to do as well for like an, an mm. entry level, mm maker license if you want the fully featured thing and not the the gimped version that you get um in the free license but we are speaking from a perspective where we earn decent money but if you're thinking about students still just in high school or things well, like that they get the student licenses h- too so yeah um, so i think it's very important to keep licenses for them free because for them even a hundred bucks a year is quite a substantial amount of money and i find it very important that they develop the skill to use cat software yeah and it is of course in the interest of the of the cat companies to to provide those student versions uh, for free mm. or for a well for free essentially because the student is not going to pay anything the, the entry drug um yeah just to get them hooked on <laughs> one tool um and to make sure they learn that tool and then once they're in a job uh they can say hey but i know tool x that i've used during my yeah. my uh, university years uh yeah. can we use that and then of course that's when when the when subscription fees really hit and that's what, where they, yeah. when the subscription fees make sense because the company's making money with that, can afford them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I'm, I'm just looking at like, okay, Photoshop costs money. Um, iPad drawing apps cost money. If, even if it's just a one time purchase, um, it's just that it's not free. There's some mm. sort of a charge associated with using the, the program mm. just to have some sort of a revenue and not to, mm. to make, I don't know, not to, to disregard that that market, right? Because when you're offering a product for free, that's it's not worth anything for you except for like, hey, we've got more beta testers. Mm-hmm. Um, when those people are your, your actual buying customers, you have a reason to, to care about them. Yeah. Perhaps. I don't know. <laughs> I've I've never made a, a cat tool and I don't intend to, just like like other stuff that I tend to stay away with uh, stay away from like I don't know, selling products directly. Yeah. But you apparently don't shy away from that. <laughs> well, you put it that way. Yeah, yeah, I'm now a professional online seller because I have a tape dispenser. <laughs> oh, and you're even using the, the, the nice paper tape. Uh, I like this stuff because it's so easy to, to open up a package instead of just a clear plastic tape. Yeah, they're 
This is one of the reasons. One of the other reasons is that I really tried to reduce the amount of plastic in my packaging. Yeah. Um, but to answer your question or to, to, to finish your, your teaser, uh, we already talked about that we started selling our threaded insults on Amazon that didn't, that went well for quite a while until we got kicked from Amazon. We are still not back on Amazon because things are complicated with Amazon. <laughs> so it seems <laughs> just like, uh, with an old girlfriend or something like that. Um, the relation is complicated. No. Um, Due to the reason that I made these custom adapter boards for my CDIS printer and from one of the videos where I first mentioned it, people were really interested in, in buying them. I thought, okay, yeah, let's just put them in my own online store and uh, sell them to the ones who are interested. And um, one thing let's to another one. Yeah, we got kicked from Amazon. I thought, yeah, I still we still have some, some threaded inserts right here. Um, Lots of them are still at Amazon. That's the reason why we are st still not back in stock there. <laughs> but yeah, let's also put them in, in our online store or in my online store. And over the last three, three and a half weeks, I, we had almost a hundred purchases there, which is kind of nice. But it also showed me all of the complications around <laughs> selling products online. And yeah. I haven't been at the point yet where the ones who purchased the product tried it out and it didn't work for them either because the product was broken or because they are not capable of using it properly. Yeah. Um, I don't want to be rude in any way, but they're often people who think things are easier than, than they should be. And I'm already expecting some... I don't know, issues coming up with, some, with some customers. Angry I'm, I'm not yeah. Angry returns. Um, anyways. So yeah, uh, selling things online isn't just setting up an online store and, and, and selling parts, which is I get or having parts to sell, uh, which is in my opinion, the easy stuff around yeah. that. The more complicated stuff is, uh, creating invoices that are proper. Um, being screamed at by your tax accountant, uh, whom you told, Oh, I started an online store now. You will have a lot more invoices to, to deal with at the end of the yeah. month. Yeah. Um, having options of international shipping, uh, having shipping material, just like envelopes and stuff like that, having stickers to print uh. your, Sh shipping shipping, ma shipping materials you, you need to be part of a like a recycling scheme right exactly. to, to take back your, your shipping materials um, or to, exactly. to pay someone else to do that for you in uh, germany i guess that's in europe um you have to be part of an association who is taking care of recycling the packaging the material that you're using so for example i um, you have to, to apply and say, okay, I think this year I'm going to use 50 kilograms of paper packaging and 50 kilograms of plastic material. They're going to charge you, I don't know, 50, 60 bucks for that. Um, and 
yeah, then then they should take care of your packing waste. But these are all the things that you need to know before you start something yeah. like that, because there are tons of lawyers around who are exactly looking for these startup companies yeah. to just um, to just sue them, sue them, and well, say not, okay, not, you, not you sue them, sue, suing, 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 yeah, cease and desist with with cease a bill attached. An invoice attached exactly. to them. So typically that's like Whoa. a couple hundred bucks that, that they're like, Hey, you missed that. Now I get to charge yeah. you for like unfair, uh, unfair competition. Practice, business practice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we took, we took care of that. Um, and yeah, but just, just creating invoices, invoices that are proper, shipping the stuff, packing the stuff. So and you, then bringing it to the post office is quite a hassle. Yeah, so you're doing this through the Squarespace store right now. Does that have like the full invoicing, tracking, uh, inventory management system attached to it? Is that something you actually want to use, or is it just like, hey, we're giving you the bare minimum of of tools to actually run a store? Um, I would say it's more than the bare minimum. It's it's work. It's currently working, and for a small shop, I think it's feasible to use that system. But especially with international invoice voices. Um, it can get complicated at some point. Inventory management is, is working there. Um, but, um, since they are not one of the big players in terms of e-commerce, you don't have APIs or just, um, interfaces to, for example, DHL or other yeah. uh, shipping suppliers who can directly take, uh, the data from the purchase that somebody made and, and put it on a shipping label. Um, so currently I did some, some timing. It currently takes me five minutes to print an invoice, to pr generate and print a shipping label, to pack everything and to pack everything up. And if you put that in terms of money and if I just, I don't know, um, value myself with 60 bucks an hour, that's five euros five dollars for every yeah. package uh that i have to take into account when when i'm selling something yeah. so so selling things that are only costing five six seven bucks is not worthwhile for me in that size and we didn't even talk about the the money that the um the recycling of the material costs the the shipping exactly. envelope costs everything connected yeah. to that you just you just yeah, have payment fees with paypal um mm. just everyone wants their cut of that mm. too and yeah. i i don't know if, if you mentioned the exact amount that, that amazon charges um, per order um but that seems very reasonable in mm. retrospect or in comparison to doing it yourself and they, yeah. they they know that amazon knows that they can they can charge that because doing it yourself mm. is just it's going to cost you more it's going to be more effort um it, it definitely is of course it i i could optimize my process and we will be optimizing that in the future and that yeah, for would sure. also make this business more feasible for us because the cut that we are still keeping is is bigger but i think it's interesting for for someone who wants to get into that business to know what costs and also efforts are involved with that I really don't want to keep any anyone from doing that. And I would rather also keep somebody from selling their products on Amazon because if you are on Amazon, you are Amazon's female dog. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
Ooh, ooh, I, I, I love dogs. Have you seen that movie? Tweeted about that recently. No. Fantastic no. movie. <laughs> Absolutely great. Um, yeah. And uh, I haven't talked about certification of pro products and, and things like that. So this is, of course, uh, an, ele an electronics kit. So I don't mm -hmm. need, don't need to do any FCC or CE certification and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. Still, I'm really not regretting doing that step because it's really interesting to understand the process, to also understand how much does it cost you to sell something on your own? How much does it cost you to sell something over Amazon, for example? And then there's also the option to, to have a reseller. And, um, so if, if you have, if you are selling something on Amazon, um, you are only getting the money, of course, from the products that are sold. Um, if you're, um, selling something yourself, of course, you're also only getting the money from the products that you have sold. If you are working with a reseller, for example, I don't know, matter hackers, 3D Jake or however they're yeah. called, it's, it's usually different. They buy a certain amount of products. You get the, money right away or after 30 days or something like that. Um, but you don't really need to care if they are selling the product or not. Of course, if they're not selling the product, yeah, they are not, not going order to reorder. But, um, but, but it's just interesting to see those, those different... doesn't yeah. cost you. It's not, it's not something no. you worry about. No. Um, have, have you thought about using, I don't know, uh, what they're called actually a drop shipping company that like Amazon, you send your, your stock and they handle all mm. the shipping and returns and labeling and all that for you. And you just pay them a flat fee and don't worry about, you know, using the, mm. the tape gun yourself. Mm. I think for something like this, it would make sense. Uh, it, it might make sense. I have already and I, I, I would have never thought that I would sell that many. I think I have already saw, uh, sold 40 of these adapter boards uh, for something like that. I, I guess it would make sense. Maybe, maybe the volume is not big enough. I think for our threaded inserts, for example, that we are selling, um, going with a reseller is the better option. Right. Um, just because they then the products are at a place where people for example buy um a spare for mister or buy a new yeah. hot end or something yeah, like it's that. just, just add that something to that they yeah part. exactly yeah exactly like so low, this is the direction in, in which we want to go and we are already in discussion with a couple of resellers who uh nice. might have our threaded inserts available in the future um we're gonna get i think our next shipment at the beginning of next year um, maybe also really interesting here. Um, brass, brass, the material, yeah. the metal, the alloy usually or often contains lead as right. just, um, an alloy element because the most common brass alloys just have lead in them because they're easy to machine and, and things like that. Yeah. Not, the thing not is, lots of them. It's, it's trace amounts. It's, it's like, in the less 0. than a percent exactly less yeah. than a percent yeah but it's still it but, still contains lead but lead falls under reach mm -hmm. so blah blah for hazardous materials um for brass um 
it actually, I think, would have already been illegal to sell brass products, I think, at the end of last year. Uh, but then it was postponed a little so, bit. And so probably at the end of this. Brass products containing lead, specifically. Brass, yeah. brass products containing lead. Um, hard to pronounce that. Um, but probably at the end of this year, it, um, they will not, um, shift, uh, or will not prolong that, that regulation anymore. Uh, and it might be actually illegal at the beginning of next year to import. And, um, I think you can still sell your, the rest of the stock that you're still having. Okay. But, um, Brass products containing lead will uh, be more or less illegal in the near future. So Which you basically really need to make sure that your your inserts are a exactly. lead-free uh, brass alloy. Yeah. So do you, so do you know if they are right now? Um, currently, they are not. Okay. Um, the only ones are the camera inserts, the, right. the quarter-inch inserts. Uh, these were the first ones we ordered lead-free, but they are more expensive. Because the raw the, material is more expensive. Yeah, and it's um, perhaps harder to machine if you if you put the lead in there to make them more yes. machinable. Yeah, exactly. Um, but like the new stock that we're gonna get at the beginning of next year, they're all uh, lead free, and um, of course, this is also something that we kind of want to advertise because um, of course we will be a bit more expensive than maybe the competitors that don't care about the regulation or still have a lot of old stock. Yeah. Um, but it's going to be interesting how that changes the market because there are a lot of brass materials that we are currently using. Just look at 3D printer nozzles. Yeah. Um, look at, yeah, other threaded inserts. Look at the heat break from the Revo hot end, yeah. uh, which uses brass in some well, part. I don't know if they they're not are already complying to so that rule. Um, reach is not Germany. It's not EU. It's worldwide. So it, it, right. um, this oh. is not something that is only affecting us here in the EU. It's affecting everyone around the world who it is, I guess, part of the reach. Is a European regulation, at least Wikipedia says so. But but still, it applies. Well, then you, then you have Ros and yeah, whatever. Yeah, um, those. Yeah. Um, it still applies when you want to sell stuff in the EU, which you can't really ignore as a market, I I would no. think. No, definitely not. Yeah. And especially for us, like living here in... <laughs> yeah, you, in, you wouldn't be uh, able in to the sell EU. stuff anymore. Uh, no. Um, it's interesting. It's really interesting. And I I... I have, I have bought like a LED testing kit, which is usually used to test if your paint on the wall contains LED. Ooh. But it also seems to work if you just grind down a bit of, for example, a brass nozzle and just dip it in there. And if it turns hmm. red, it contains, it contains LED just to see if manufacturers in the future will comply with that regulation. Right. Or if they don't give a crap. Yeah, and of course you you can you can test the stock that you get just to make sure your yeah. your supplies aren't ripping you off. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So so overall, with his selling experience, uh, was it was it worth it? Because it's it's not just the the effort you do per package when you print an invoice and you you pack it up and you bring it to the uh, to the post office, but all the 
work ahead of time that you did you do before you make your first cent of profit off of that mm. was it worth it and and is it do you have the outlook of it being worth it and profitable at some point currently it's not commercially feasible the experience was definitely worth it um we need to streamline the process in the future and we need to just hire someone who takes care of shipping our own products because if i yeah value myself with 60 bucks an hour which i think is totally reasonable and yeah more than it's it doesn't make sense uh but if we have more purchases if we have a couple of purchases um every day and we have just somebody i don't know my dad just got retired um who is is doing the packaging and i don't have to pay him 60 bucks an hour it might be feasible in the future <laughs> and depending on the product that you're selling i guess for for example like the threaded inserts and some electronic kits it might be it might be a way to do it you can keep a a bigger cut of um the the profit or yeah the the revenue and yeah it's but i i guess it's it's interesting if if you tried it out before and just see what the different uh well not opportunities are but what the options different possibilities are, yeah. of options are so definitely definitely don't regret that and <laughs> i don't know uh if um if if somebody wants to try something like that also in the future it's really worth doing a bit of research before what regulations you need to comply to and what of what the yeah. options are are that you're having and this uh. is also something good to tell somebody who's complaining um this pcb i don't know uh cost me less than a buck to make and then the other parts are maybe three or four bucks more oh, uh um, 14.99 for this wow 14.99 but i have to sell it for that amount of money and i'm still yeah. not making any money of, of it and if it's too expensive for you screw yourself you I mean, can download the global files uh yourself exactly. and do it yourself at, at that point at that price it is basically a service to the buyer that you're selling this thing yeah. at all um yeah. so see it as a as a service fee for packaging this yeah. up nicely uh <laughs> get, getting you an assortment of parts yeah. and producing it doing all that that's that's what they're paying for they're not paying for the hardware yeah the hardware i mean yeah. pcb probably costs less than a buck to to make and then yeah uh and you're you're not you're stefan you you are not making any reasonable money on the thing it is just at cost yeah oh well it's an experience you know some things i i I keep thinking about that too like some things i just want to do at some point even if it if Mm. it doesn't make sense um um, from a from a business perspective but some stuff i just want to see and experience and 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 want to learn about uh and hey if it doesn't work out you can move on yeah and i i think this might just be one of those (laughs) talking about uh things you should move on from <laughs> spraying on 3d printing resin with an airbrush gun yeah. don't do that no please please don't no. um the, the the core idea like nebulizing resin <laughs> to, to put it onto a print 
not the smartest thing to do. If you're in a well-ventilated environment and you're wearing appropriate protection, which is like respirator, glasses, possibly a full-on um, Tyvek suit, perhaps, yeah, perhaps you, you can do that. But indoors, mm-mm, mm-mm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so maybe a bit of backstory. Yeah. Or did you want to? Did you want to start with that? Well, I I kind of want to like justify because I I I've, I have a video on a resin finishing process too, where mm-hmm. brush on resin onto mm-hmm. print, and I think that the the results are really great with that. It looks amazing. You mm-hmm. get a really good finish. So can I understand why you would want a simpler and more even way to apply resin to a print? Um, but. Yeah, nebulizing it and, and, and spraying it is, is a bit different still than using a brush and like physically moving the resin onto it with a brush. Right. Go ahead. So, yeah, there has been a pretty popular video, um, a bunch of weeks back where somebody also showed in, in a YouTube video how easy it is to smooth your FDN 3D prints by just, um, even, well, thinning down 3D printing resin, then spraying it with an airbrush gun on your part, and then just curing it with an, uh, with a UV light. Um, <laughs> he has even been showing that without gloves, without a, a, a ton of protection. Um, and there has been quite an uproar about that video. And I totally understand that because as you just said, nebulizing these monomers and and everything that is in the 3D printing resin is one of the worst ideas you can have. Already having the the resin in the resin vat or just opening a bottle can be a pain for some and I don't really like it either. Just the small particles that are maybe off-gassing or something like this that can be already bad for your um for your respiratory system and if you get it on your skin it's bad but nebulizing that material getting it into the air breathing it in having it everywhere in your shop on your body on your clothes no yeah don't do even, that the thing is even if even when you think you're just spraying it onto something and you can you can see the airstream or the um that the, you, you you can see your spray pan and yeah it's just going there uh, take a take a sharp light and 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 see how much that's actually kicking off in particles and that gets on you it gets in in your breathing system and the problem with resin with the monomer specifically is it's not like you get it on your skin and your skin's gonna fall off that's not what's happening um well i i don't know some resins might do that but most of them don't uh, most of them you're totally fine getting in your skin once twice five times 20 times but at some point, your body's going to react and it's going to classify that resin as a, a dangerous substance and you're going to get an immu- immune response to it. And from that point forward, every time your, your immune system gets triggered from resin, be just the smell of or whatever small marginal amount of, of particles you inhale or you get on your body, you're going to have a massive immune system reaction um, from hives to um, a, what's it called? Uh, an, an immune uh, shock state. Anaphylactic um, shock. Yeah, exactly. That's where you really don't want to get to. Um, and 
there, there's no there's no safe amount of resin that you can uh, mm. that you can use and get on you. So um, even when handling resin printers, I could have stuff on the outside. I always wear gloves. Gloves are cheap. You buy you buy a two hundred pack uh, two hundred pack. Yeah, you buy a two hundred pack of gloves for fifteen bucks. Um, your health is not worth that. Your health is not. It's not worth risking your health for that. Um, so even when using resin properly, there's already so much that you that you should be doing um, to avoid exposure to exposure to it. Um, and then adding that that idiotic step of of nebulizing it and spraying it just isn't great. I mean, resins aren't that different from stuff like car paints. Um, 2K car paints, two components that, that get mixed up and then sprayed onto a car in a painting booth. Look at the amount of, of safety gear that painters, professional painters wear. They're in full body suits. Um, and that is exactly what you should be doing if you try to spray a 3D printing resin. The good thing about, um, 2K paints though is you add a, you add the hardener. You mix them up, you add the hardener, and now, you know, after 45 minutes or two hours at some point, um, the stuff is hardened. The stuff is curing and it's not dangerous anymore. You can touch your car and it's not a problem. The thing with, uh, resins, unless you hit them with the, with UV light, they're not going to cure it. They're going to be sitting in your shop. They're going to be sitting on all the surfaces as long as, you know, that they're not getting cured. And with small amounts of, of resin, it can be hard to cure them. Um, some resins don't really cure when they have, when they're exposed to oxygen. Most resins don't really cure when they're exposed to oxygen. That's, that's why you often are left with like a slimy layer on, on even a, um, a cured part. And it's what, uh, what carbon uses, um, in their clip technology to make sure they can continuously separate their part from the, um, from the film and where, where it's getting exposed. So. Yeah, and then when you add solvents to it and you thin it down, you, you you're also disrupting that the curing process. Uh so yeah, just it's just idiotic. It's a it's a terrible idea. Um and you shouldn't ever do that. <laughs> yeah. And let's move on from that topic. Okay. Good idea. <laughs> Let's move on from a terrible idea to a good idea. Um yeah, so sorry, sorry for, for rambling on that, but I just wanted to, to 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 make it clear to everyone why it's a bad idea um it, because this isn't like an experience you know small child reaches onto the onto the stove top burns their hand that's not that's not what's going to happen um there's no burning your hand moment uh and at that point it's it's when you have that burning your hand moment it's too late that's that's the thing um but yeah moving on from a terrible idea to a good idea um cardboard spools You've already said you wanted to reduce your, your plastic uh, footprint on your packaging stuff and printed solid are now moving to reduce their plastic footprint on filament spools as well. They are now going to cardboard spools, which I very much appreciate. Yeah, we see that more and more with other filament manufacturers that, are mo that they are moving away from the normal plastic stuff, which is a good thing, which is maybe in the beginning harder to handle because the spools are not that that rigid but yeah the remainings of the spool are way easier to to recycle and probably um these are really getting recycled the plastic ones are just shredded and burned so 
yeah. not real, really recycling there. Yeah, and the thing is, even when when cardboard isn't being recycled, um, as in it is being burned for energy use, uh, it's still, you know, it's a mostly renewable resource that you're using. So at least you can, you're not burning oil, right? Yeah. Of course, shout out to Protopasta for, for always having used um, cardboard spools. Uh, <laughs> the OGs of, of cardboard spool, uh, spools. Um, Prusa Mint is on plastic reduced spools with the cardboard core and then the, yeah. the mesh on the outside, which supposedly uses less plastic overall. But now you have the thing where if you want to recycle it, you have to separate it. Um, yeah, cardboard spools. Good idea. Definitely is. Yeah, uh, yeah. The, it's really next, hard for me to start the next topic. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't think neither one of us want want, want to move on to that. Yeah, um, I guess all of you have already heard that Sanjay Mortimer um, from E3D passed away three weeks ago. Something like that. Really sad. Um, and I don't really have a lot of words for that because it was sad for me since I knew him well I I wouldn't I wouldn't say that I knew him very well but I have been talking to him quite a bit and was always uh, fond of his work and uh he was a, a really nice and inspirational person um but the the thing is with yeah, the the death of of Sanjay. Quite a lot of people from from the community um, came together and said, "Okay, um, we want to do something good in Sanjay's name." And um, E3D also said that they are probably planning to set up a, a fund in his name. Um, well, a foundation, actually, not just a sorry, a foundation. A fund, yeah. No. Um. Yeah, so that's that's one part. Um, lots of YouTubers. Um, I, I so I I made a video about uh, Sanjay and just the what what he meant to me and to the community, and and I ended that with, hey, I'm gonna donate one euro per one thousand views uh, for the month of December, and tons of people joined me. You joined me, Joel joined me, yeah. um, 3DP Nero. Uh, I'm probably forgetting tons of people here. Uh, yeah, there's there's a, a Twitter thread with everyone involved, and I want to say thank you to to everyone who's who's contributing there. Um, yeah. Breaks and makes, uh, Joe the Madman has done a, a live stream, and and uh, got to over twelve no to, to almost twelve thousand euros worth of donations that will be donated to a cause um, in Sanjay's name. So what what I'm doing is. Uh, E3D are going to appoint a either a charity or um, the foundation that they're setting up um, to distribute those funds. And what what they've kind of hinted at is it's going to be um, some way of uh, supporting young engineers and and people who are enthusiastic but don't have the means to to chase that that dream. Um, yeah. So sad story. But on the other hand, it is it is really uplifting to see that the community, not just money, yes, that's a good thing, um, 
but just being having a positive outlook right and then turning this mm. into something that uh just that just gets everyone together right yeah definitely is um yeah i hope i hope that there is more information on the foundation soon um december is is almost over and i will also be donating my share to the foundation and i'm really looking forward to uh what they're gonna um gonna do with the money so yeah yeah nice and and sad at the same time and i i don't know i don't really want to talk that much more about that topic because it just makes me sad yeah then let's move on to a uh mixed feelings topic again <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. do you, you want to do the, the rolling screw extrude or do you, do you want to skip that yeah maybe yeah yeah just just for a second okay um, uh, Not for more than half an hour, but okay. Uh, rolling screw extruder, but T TLDR um, Fuse Labs are shutting down the rolling screw extruder because they're saying it is their invention and they've patented it, and we're not going to see anything not from Fuse Labs until twenty thirty nine. Something like that. I think we already talked in one of the last episodes about the rolling screw extruder. It was also featured on. Quite a bit of media the last weeks and months. Um, it's basically a design where you have like tilted rollers yeah, rotating around a, the filament. A motor, basically the, the brushless DC motor spinning around mm -hmm. the filament, which is cool because you can yeah. do that. That's how, how Outrunners, Inrunners? Inrunner, hollow shaft, Inrunner, something like that. I yeah. don't know. Yeah. Um, how, the, how they work? Um, F Fuse Lab which is also a 3D printer manufacturer. I think they have some 3D printers where they use um, metal-filled filaments, so so really brittle filaments um, to um, 3D print green parts that are then then get sintered. Uh, and they said, okay, they they developed this extruder because it doesn't put a lot of stress on the filaments so the uh, the the danger of breaking the material during the extrusion process is is small um they developed something they patented it i think in 2019 or 17 um when there was the patent uh application and uh they probably they basically said to the open source project or some of the files were already available on, on Thingiverse, for example. Um, no, you can't do that anymore because uh, we patented it. The interesting thing, and this is also the reason why I talk about that, is that already in 2014, there it was a threat on the RepRep forum, or here it's in Google Groups, um, don't mm -hmm. remember uh, that correctly, where somebody talked about a rolling screw extruder and even built a, a prototype of it. Um, so the thing with patents is you can only patent stuff that is new and is not something that somebody else already made in the past. Yeah. Um, Somehow during the patent research of the patent office, uh, that just didn't came up. So they said, okay, uh, this is a patented design or this can be patented for Fuse Labs. Does the patent office, especially in the US, even do that? 
I think they do that. Uh, they check the uh, Stand der Technik, the um, help me out with state the English the name, the, uh, with State of the Art. But as far as I have understood it, they don't, they check uh, literature and like official sources. Other patterns. Uh, but other patterns, <laughs> but uh, something like the Google groups or rep reforms is something that is right. usually not checked. Um, so I guess this was one of the reasons why this, this didn't come up. So what one could now say, yeah, screw this, uh, what, what Fuselab said, let's just continue with the rolling screw extruder because obviously there has been prior art, but the thing in the end is that you probably would need to go to court or, um, appoint a lawyer to either um, to invalidate the patent or just to properly tell Fuse Labs, okay, don't bother me anymore. Okay. Uh, let me continue with my project. And, uh, this is probably something that a, a maker will not be doing because they just, just don't have the f unreasonable, uh, to do it because it's, it's unreasonable for them fighting, fighting a court case against uh, an established company. Yeah, you might win, but will you? <laughs> yeah. It, 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 in the end, it just depends on who can throw more money at that court case, and you, you just can't sustain that. Yeah. Um, as we say in in German, Recht haben und Recht bekommen are two entirely different things. So yeah, to to be right or to what would be the <laughs> proper translation mm. for that? Uh, to get validated uh, is something totally yeah. different. To, to um, in a court case. Yeah. So, in my opinion, the two things that could happen, um, what I think what will happen is that they're just not continuing with the rolling screw extruder project or at least not releasing any, any files anymore. Um, how it could also end, what I would hope for, is that Fuse Labs steps forward and says, okay, yeah, there has been prior art, um, continue, uh, what you're doing. Um, and as, as long as you're not, not selling that design, we're not taking a, a closer look at that. But still, I think it's going to be unfortunate because this was a really interesting design. It was really lightweight. It had a lots of potentials for, as I said, brittle materials, maybe for even extruding faster, um, having more grip on the filament. And this is now just, yeah, stopped, um, just at the point where, where it grew and where you, uh, were able to see really nice results. Yeah. Oh well, patents. Uh, yeah. I, it's going to be interesting to see what what exactly in the E3D Revo is patented, um, because they yeah. that is that definitely has some new patent, um, but they have not disclosed yet what exactly they're patenting and what it is going to stop people from doing. Um, yeah. Like one of my points in the in the review first look video was like, hey. We're going to need more nozzles for this. We can't just live with uh, brass mm. nozzles. Um, and especially we can't live with nozzles only available from E3D. Um, perhaps their, their end-all nozzle maybe is going to end all nozzle needs, but still, it's going to be, it's going to be just that one option. Yeah. People want options. Um, and I, don't, I, don't, 
I think I said yeah. that before. I don't think that the nozzle um, heat break, heat nozzle tube, break. break tube, um, and then the uh, thread on top is the patented part because I have seen very similar things from other companies years back. I'm very sure, and I don't have any f information on that, just E3D if you're watching. <laughs> we have an entity, but I have never heard something. Uh, I, I'm quite sure that it's the combination of attaching the heater block with the spring part. And for that reason, I'm also hoping that just um, making third-party nozzles is, is not a problem and is not mm. something that falls under that patent. Um, the more tricky thing for third-party manufacturers will be that they need to establish a very solid process themselves to attach that tube to the nozzle and to the well, yeah. like cold part, uh, cold part up top, cold end to the thread part. Of, yeah. yeah, and to get all of the dimensions right, because one of the things with Revo is that they're saying, okay, if you're changing a nozzle, you don't need to. Um, readjust your ah, first that, layer height. That shouldn't be much of a problem. Mm, since you have this assembly process where you really press the parts together, right. I'm not sure if you can do that to a degree of precision in like, I, I guess one tenth of a millimeter would not be good enough. That is true. That is true. So the, so you, the assembly process itself needs to be very no. precise and I don't yeah. know if it's if it's being crimped from the outside um and then machined probably doesn't make sense so it would probably well, you, be a you, pressing you... process um so that needs to be that needs to stop yeah. at a very precise distance yeah something like that and I think that's going to be the, the the tricky part and um then also the point how to make sure that your uh, stainless steel tube is not falling apart from the nozzle part when when it's getting hot because yeah. you have different materials with different thermal expansion coefficients and getting that right is hard and we have seen that also with third party uh i wouldn't say knockoffs but third party bimetallic heat breaks similar to the ones that slice engineering is doing right. there have been cases where the thing was just falling apart when it got hot so <laughs> you, you need to be sure how your materials react and you need to have really uh, precise tolerances um, in in uh, in these connections. That's going to be the hard thing, but yeah. we'll see. I'm I'm looking forward to that. Maybe speaking of E3D patents, um, and I will also put that patent in the show notes right here. Uh, recently, one of E3D's patents has been popping up, um, which they. Um, they um unmelden they uh, registered <laughs> i'm already which they registered um i think at the beginning of this year which goes very much in the direction of the high flow nozzle we have seen from bontech or 3d solex mm. the cht um and the patent involves basically shaping the um stainless steel tube that is now in the revo nozzle just for example, it pushing it together or even hydroforming it to a, a star shape to increase the surface area. Um, I need to look for that, but that okay. pattern is is 
is available huh. freely. So this is not any internal information, but they have filed a patent for that. I think at the beginning of this year, um, very sadly, Sanjay was the one who is, is mentioned in, in first place on that patent, but, um, they, it seems that they want to increase the melting performance of their hot ends by shaping this, um, heater tube. Yeah, or the, however they're calling I'm, it. I'm, I'm wondering about how that's going to be assembled then, because you need some sort of of mate into the into the brass part that also has that shape, right? It would need to be broached well, you, somehow. You, you could, for example, um, make your ceramic heating element around that tube directly. Ooh, just pot it on direct. Ooh. Yeah, something like that. I would imagine the patent is really long and I invite anyone to read it. It's really, really detailed, uh, but I just did not have the time to go through all of it. Right. It hasn't been granted yet. Um, it has just been released. Um, and, hmm. and yeah, one can take a look at it. I'll, I'll, I'll put it in the show notes. It's, yeah. it's really interesting. Okay. Then let's do a couple questions and finish this one out. Yep. I would say I, I think the, these questions are, are are nice. They're they're easy to answer. So <laughs> Chris Ellis is asking, "Hey, can the Revo be installed on a Prusa Mark III S Plus?" Uh, very simple answer: Yes, yes, it can. Um, the Revo Six specifically is like a, a one-to-one drop-in replacement uh, for the V6 that is being used on the Mark III. Take one out, put another one in. Uh, maybe you're going to have to adjust the length of the Teflon tube uh, that goes from the extruder into the hot end. But that, if if anything, that should be the only thing. And of course, PID loops, perhaps, perhaps maybe run a tune and yeah. save that. And that should be all. I'm, I'm actually planning to do that tomorrow for my Mark III. Because that's, I guess... For for me, the the perfect printer to get a lot of of a lot of hours on the hot on the hot end, um, and I have already been taking a look at it. I am not sure. So the connectors on the Revo, do I have one right here? They're Microfit Mini. Yes, the... I think they are directly at the location where. Um, the the wires or the wire loom starts out of the hot end and there it's already really cramped in the back so it's yeah they will be directly somewhere around there so getting them at the proper position might be a bit tricky but yeah as i said i'll I'll hope i'll try that tomorrow see how that's how that's working out okay but yeah should definitely work yeah then kilted craftworks is asking question for you too um, I'm planning on turning my old Prusa Mark 2.5 into a CNC mill once my Excel comes in. Um, thinking about the MPCNC, but saw Tom's issues with the maker. Any other suggestions for something like this? Budget, hobby, flexible DIY CNC mill project. I think I, uh, yeah, I did a video about the Mendel Max 2.0 that I turned into like a super light duty uh, router. Um, I don't think turning a Prusa Mark 2.5 into a CNC mill, well, router, whatever you want to call them, 
don't think that is the best idea. Um, with the 8mm rods, you just don't have a lot of rigidity in the motion system. And at best, you, you're going to be able to scrape out a couple of PCBs, but you're not really going to be able to cut anything on that. Um, even wood pr is probably going to be a real big problem. Mm. Um, so what I think he might also be... Or what he wants to say with that, he just wants to take his Mark 2.5 apart and use the parts of the Mark 2.5 to create a CNC router with that or CNC mill or whatever he called it. And yeah, I, MP I would, CNC. I would rather, I mean, I, I'd rather leave that thing as a printer and use it as a printer and just get, get new steppers and a new cheap, um, uh, Gerbil board. board. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, I was, I was thinking of the name Gerbil. Um, just get a get a cheap gravel board, um, CNC shield for an Arduino, and build something yeah. with that. That's like sixty, seventy bucks in parts, um, mm -hmm. and you can't really reuse any of the parts from a Mark two point five mm -hmm. to build a CNC mill. You can't use the linear guides, the belts. Maybe if you want to build a belt driven one, um, just but get yeah, the belts would not be long enough. Um, yeah. So <laughs> the pulley. So basically, the stepper motors and the main board, but. I'm on the same side. Rather sell your Prusa for or do that, even a yeah. hundred bucks. <laughs> sell yeah. it for a hundred bucks. Take those hundred bucks and uh, buy yourself proper stepper motor drivers and uh, and a mainboard because that's yeah, well, also not, already what not, not what you would only get from from taking it apart. And then exactly even even with taking the Mark 2.5 apart, you would need to buy uh, new equipment. Yeah, not not even like proper stepper drivers. You don't have to get like a lead shine driver or something. Just like get a, a separate board with the drivers plugged in, just a CNC shield, perfectly adequate. So what um, what for I the, for example, yeah. um, for the for the CNC, um, yeah. that's what that used, and it's it's yeah. adequate for for what the machine is. If you want to build a, a mill or a router, use bigger stepper motor drivers. Use more talky ones depending on how you drive them so NEMA 23 is good uh, if you have a control board with replaceable stepper drivers um, the for example TMC 5160s though those don't fit in those don't come in the standard uh, Pululu they size do. They, they do, do. They okay. do. Um, there are step sticks for that I, I actually use them on my on uh, my CNC router because I put um, a RepRef firmware board in there and they are, they are expensive, these drivers. I think I paid 60 bucks for just the four drivers or something like that. Yeah, but, uh, so 5160 Vatterot does sell them uh, for 17 exactly. euros. Yeah, three amps and RMS. Each. Yeah. That is beefy. And with, yeah. And they allow you to drive... Uh, bigger stepper motors and you will be way more happy if you just buy a couple of new parts and and build is it with them it would be a waste to take your mark 2.5 apart yeah sell it and make somebody else happy yeah. if you if you don't have the space for it yeah and as far as recommendations go don't don't really have much um i've looked at some of the open builds um projects um, I do like this system, but I've not used it. So I've not used it in a CNC. So I don't really know how, how well those work and how rigid that can turn out. 
I have a video with plans for my wooden CNC router I ah. did six, seven, seven years back or something like that. So check that out <laughs> with, with drawer, drawer slides as linear, linear rails and uh, things yeah, like that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, um, should we do the last one? Yeah. Last one. Um, Jfon1 is asking uh, what I was wondering. Uh, so that's on the topic of high flow nozzles and um, heating and melting filament more quickly. Does preheating filament to just below the softening temperature increase the printing speed or is the energy requirement for the phase change too dominant? So what he basically is asking, uh, is, it, is it worth like heating your PLA to 45 or 50 degrees Celsius um, before it gets into the extruder to save the hot end the work to heat it up all the way, but the hot end only needs to heat it up from like, for example, 50 to 220 degrees yeah. Celsius. So, I mean, just on that scale for POA probably doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, mm. maybe, maybe if it's ABS, that is still somewhat usable at like a hundred degrees. So you save a, a delta T of like 80, 80 K. Um, but yeah, it's, so my, my, my intuition is it probably doesn't make much of a difference because as far as I'm aware that the way that the, that the, um, the softening temp, the glass transition temperature is defined mm. is the spot where the material actually takes the most amount of energy to heat up where the where the heat capacity where the i don't know if it's real or the the, the amount of, of energy needed to heat the material by one more degree is the highest right at the softening point um i believe that that is that is how that is defined so so intuitively going to right below that point where you actually need the most energy you still have that that softening point or that that last transition temperature to pass uh, to push past um, but Stefan, you actually did the math on that. Um, yeah, way back in the days, I, I did the math because I wanted to know yeah, how much energy from the, um, the heater cartridge do I really need to, to melt the filament and what is just either unused or, um, just convected away, away. So for example, for, I don't know, a basic polymer, be it PLA or ABS, um, the energy you need to, so the melting ent, ent, enthalpy, enthalpy, so the energy enthalpy. you need for the phase change is more or less in the order you need to heat a filament up by 200 degrees Celsius or a bit less. Right. So, so you, you're you roughly spending the same amount of energy on passing the mm -hmm. glass transition temperature as you do for just mm -hmm. a linear heating process. Yeah. So if you're saving a bit of that heating pro uh, process energy, it's not that you can, for example, save. If you, for example, would heat up a material to uh, 100 degrees and, uh, and uh, save like 50% of the energy you heat for uh, you need for heating it up um this would only be like a very small amount one quarter of the yeah. final energy that you're needing so it would probably not help that much uh, this was very simplified and it's it's even worse probably in the end and uh, all the problems that you're getting with 
feeding a almost mushy material through the extruder is way harder. I, I think it doesn't really help that that much. Um, of course, the thing with, with uh, PLA specifically is you want to feed that cold into your hardened because you don't want it to stick to the heat break. Um, yeah. You are already kind of doing a... Um, what's it called? A gegenstrom, counterflow, um, filament heating and heat break cooling process. If you have the filament mm. going through the heat break, mm. um, some of the energy that is trying to travel up through the heat break into the heat sink in the process is getting absorbed into the filament. So you are kind of preheating mm. the filament. Um, but mm. you're also cooling, um, the, the cold side, um, and the heat mm. break while doing that. So. For PLA specifically, I think with a typical all-metal hardened, you are already doing exactly the right amount of preheating before the before the filament actually enters the the melt zone in the in the hardened. For other materials, maybe you might be able to to do a bit more, but you probably can get enough of a preheating effect by just uh, turning off the fan on your hardened. <laughs> Yeah, because Very good you, point. You, 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 yeah. you, you actually have a lot of energy traveling up through the heat break. Um, mm. If I remember correctly, it is a, about the same amount of, of power that's escaping through the heat break as you're using to, to melt uh, the filament. So, yeah, if you use that power to like preheat your, your filament, if, if you're printing PTG or ABS or some material mm. that, that doesn't get too soft, might be, might be an option. Just saying. Just just because I I did some some measurements and uh, tests today in on the Prusa Mark III, the temperature that you have inside of the cold end at uh, the point where the heat break starts is already around forty degrees Celsius, and then it gets gradually colder to around like. 35 degrees Celsius. So the, even if your PLA is fed at 20 degrees Celsius, it's probably already a bit warmer once yeah. it enters the melt zone. Yeah. Okay. And that is everything for this one. We made it. We made it yeah. through every single thing that we wrote down. That's nice. <laughs> All, All right. right. So I guess we're both we're both exhausted. Uh, I hope you guys listening aren't as exhausted as we are. But it's been it's been a lot of fun. Thank you for the time, Stefan. Thank you for your time. Thanks for listening, watching, whatever. Yeah. If you uh, want to support us, um, there are links to our Patreon down in the description. Um, leave a like, share it, and if you have any questions, leave them either in the comments under the YouTube video or tweet at us at the melt zone. And yeah. we are really looking forward to hear you see you in the next one. Yeah. Uh, if you want to subscribe to us, you can of course do that on YouTube or on any of your favorite uh, podcasting platforms. We are now also on Amazon prime Odd. podcasts, audible, whatever that Amazon thing is. Yeah. So if, if that is, if that is convenient for you, uh, you can subscribe there. We, we're not getting paid any of your Amazon or Audible subscription fees, but hey, we're there. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> All right. That's it for this one. Uh, thank you for listening and watching and we'll see you around. Bye. Bye.